love for you to turn to uh, Second uh, or First uh, Thessalonians chapter five verses uh, eighteen uh, this morning. And today, uh, this is going to be a topical sermon. I've entitled it "Learning to Celebrate Thanksgiving Well." And what I'd like to do today is I'd like to give you four ways that you and I can learn to be thankful. And so I've been looking about how to how do you celebrate Thanksgiving well? What is a good way? What's a good anchor verse for learning how to celebrate Thanksgiving? And I came upon this one in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. And it says uh, this, if I can find it. Rejoice, I'll start in verse 16. Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. Give thanks in what? All circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances. And I thought about that the other day, and I thought, man, that is very, 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 very hard. How do you give thanks in every circumstance in life without sounding like you're lying? Like, that's a very good question this morning. And I'd like to, I'd like to uh, address that before, as we go this morning. And I'd like to pick four ways that you and I can learn how to be thankful in every circumstance. And what I would like you to do is when you go home and you have your Thanksgiving dinner or lunch, I'd like you to just pick one, go around the table and say, I'm going to work on this one, and you'll pray for each other as you do it. I thought you might be interested uh, in knowing the origins of Thanksgiving. The origins of Canadian Thanksgiving are a little bit more messy and less clear than they are south of the border. It's sort of a mixture or a confluence of four key events. The first one being in 1578, when Martin Frobisher had tried to find the Northwest Passage. He sailed north to Baffin Island and had wrongly assumed that a very large inlet was a waterway leading to the Pacific Ocean. In the process of the search, he had lost two ships that got stuck in the ice. The expedition expedition had been plagued with storms and hardship, and upon arriving back in Newfoundland, a member of a ship who was a preacher and a pastor delivered a sermon asking that all the members of the ship be thankful for his deliverance from the, the places that were dangerous. This led him to celebrate communion and also to celebrate the European uh, tradition of of celebrating, giving thanks to God at harvest time for the bounty. Years later, so those two right there. Years later, uh, Samuel Samuel D. Champlain set up a fortified base in Newfoundland and the year previous to this, he, he had 30 men die of scurvy. It was becoming, uh, it became apparent that the nutrition throughout the winter, or the lack of it for that reason, had caused, uh, caused people to have poor health. So the, year, the, the next following year, he arranged an order of good cheer in which the colonists would take turns hunting and trying to outdo one another to try and raise morale by throwing a party at the end where they were required to give thanks for uh, the last 
uh, what is going on. Forty years after that, uh, the Plymouth, Mass- uh, the American Thanksgiving celebration was celebrated. And what wound up happening is after the Civil War, those loyal to Britain moved up to Canada and took the tradition with them. So you have the confluence of all these four ideas that wound up uh, becoming part of, uh, part of the th- Canadian Thanksgiving. And here's what happens. And I'm really thankful for at least the co- Canadian government's foresight on this is they believed that on November 6th, the Canadian Parliament declared that there will be a day to celebrate Thanksgiving. I want you to listen to the words. On the second Monday of, or sorry, let me say this. It was declared on November 6th, but then it was eventually moved to the second week in October to make room for Remembrance Day. And this is what the Canadian government said on it. On the second Monday of every October, Canadians are to celebrate a general day of Thanksgiving to, you want to take a guess? Oh, who, who do we, who do we celebrate Thanksgiving to? Yes. That's right. Our Canadian government said that we are to take a general day of Thanksgiving to sell to Almighty God for the bountiful harvest for which Canadians have been blessed. Back in those days, the government thought it was right and necessary to make all Canadians give thanks to God of the Bible. Thanksgiving can be a wonderful experience if we let it, but um, I, was re- I was kind of looking over all the different reasons why they celebrated Thanksgiving. And here's what I found that was very, very interesting. In all those origin stories, people created a Thanksgiving-like feast, not during the times in life that were easy, but in the messy, strange, and wild times in life. It's the times of suffering that they decided that they would celebrate or do a Thanksgiving-like ceremony or feast. And that struck me as odd because the truth of the matter is is that it's easy, it seems easier to be thankful when times are good, but when you're in a moment of suffering when they're scurvy, when you've lost two ships, when you have all this kind of bad stuff go on, when the harvest isn't that great. Those are the hardest times to be thankful. Isn't that true? And yet the origins of at least our Thanksgiving tradition are ground or, or fermented in the, in, the, in the soil of suffering which I think is very, very, very wise because here's what I've noticed about suffering. God's goodness is the very first thing that we doubt in times of suffering. Is that not true? I know that when times are good, we ask that question too, how can a good God allow suffering in the world? But when life is good, when everything's as it should be, that question becomes more an academic or a philosophical question. But in times of hardship, when the marriages aren't going well or your kids are sick or something's going on, something that is life-shattering and making you uh, suffer, the, the, the question becomes less philosophical and more a question of doubt. Why would God allow, if he's a good God, why would he allow so much evil and suffering in the world? And here's what I, I tend to notice, friends. There is a connection 
between, I, I don't know if you can read that. There is a connection in scripture between gratitude and believing that God is good. I think that you could make the case that however strong your gratitude is, there is a link between how strong your gratitude is and how strong you really stand on the idea that God is good. Let me read a few passages for you. Psalms 107, 9, or 107 verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Ephesians 5.20, give thanks always for what? Everything. To God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.15-17, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from where? Above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with? Let your requests be known to God. 2 Corinthians 9, 15, thanks be to God for his gift. Psalms 106, 1, praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for? His steadfast love endures forever. Psalms 105.1. Oh, give to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his among the people. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Can you see the connection between being thankful and recognizing the goodness of God? Am I making that clear? There is a connection there. And that is really, really, really important because here's the deal. <clears throat> I think when we fail to believe that God, that God is good, we focus on the mess. When you and I, this is going to sound corny, but if you and I do not recognize where we're blessed, what winds up happening is we fixate on what's wrong. We fixate on the mess. And there's three ways that we intentionally do that that I believe that we find in Scripture is that when we fail to recognize God's goodness, when we fail to be a people that are thankful, three things wind up happening in our lives. We become entitled, we become anxious, and we become worried. Matthew 18, 21, the verse 35. How many of you know that story? Someone shout it out. What's that story? The parable of the unmerciful servant. You remember what happens in that story, don't you? The guy gets forgiven this big, massive debt, and then he goes to the other guy who owes him less money, and he, sh and he throws him in jail. There's a lack of gratitude for that. And so what he does is that there's this entitlement to give me what you owe me when he fails to be thankful for what God has already given him. Then there's uh, the fact, then you look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34, which is where Jesus talks about worry. And actually, what he does is, if you look at the passage, he grounds worry not in God's ability to provide, but in his goodness. Remember what he says? <clears throat> that even Solomon in all his splendor was not clothed like the flowers of the field. It's this appeal to know that 
God is good. And when we, when we fail to recognize the goodness of God, we tend to think that we're on our own and we tend to worry and we rehearse the worst case scenario. Or we become anxious. Philippians 4, 6, do not be what? Anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. There's a tie between thanksgiving and recognizing that God is good and anxiety. And so what I want to say is, is, is that when we fail to do this, we crumble, we fall apart, we tend to focus on what's wrong. Is not our culture an entitled culture? Is there not a lot of worry today? Is there not a lot of anxiousness today? I think, friends, at the core of it, it's because on a heart level, we don't think that God is a good God. And thankfulness, I, the more I think about thankfulness, the more I recognize that thankfulness is not a means unto itself. It's there to remind us how God good is. God, God is good. That's the purpose of it in your life is to strengthen your ability to remember and to be thankful that God is good. And that is why it says to be thankful in all circumstances. Because in every circumstance, whether a good circumstance or a bad circumstance, the very first thing that we question is whether or not God is good. And in those hard times, you need to remember that he is good. So how do you do that? How can we give thanks in everything and mean it. Well, I hope you'll forgive like the wordplay here, but if you want gratitude, you'll need to change your attitude. You like that? Come on, that's good. I thought it took me 20 minutes to think of that. Oh, I thought that would be more funny. Okay. Here's what, I, what I, I'm going to say. It's, it's like the tude part of gratitude, you're going to have to need to change. You're going to have to need to learn how to change or reshape or to um, tweak or to exercise uh, or, or kind of just like reshape your attitude towards thanks, being thankful. Let me give you four ideas from scripture on how to do that. You need to change your tude, okay? I hope you remember that. Okay. It's an acrostic and the T stands for think right things. Philippians 4 8 and 9 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worth praise, what does it say? Think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the peace of God will be with you. Okay. Friends, God not only cares about your actions, he cares, time about what, he cares about what you spend time thinking about. And if you regularly dwell on negative, cynical, sarcastic, immoral thoughts and you allow those into your minds, it's no wonder that our attitudes are down here, aren't they? Different translations will articulate it different, but I love the KGV version of Proverbs 23.7, which says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What you allow into your minds actually affects your ability to be grateful. 
And in fact, if thankfulness is something that you struggle with, and you, you're always a person that's struggling with ne negativity and darkness and cynicism, I want to say that it's because you're allowing your mind to be filled with that kind of thing. Okay? Well, let me, let me make an illustration from our current culture. What are the funniest programs on TV often about? Anyone want to take a guess? Sarcasm and criticism. The key thing here, friends, if we want to be a person that has a grateful attitude, then we have to dwell on good things, pure things. And that is the reason why I'm grateful for Jesus. Because apart from his leadership uh, from al and allowing him to make those kind of changes in my life, that's where my head is going to go. I naturally want to be sarcastic. Some of you are like, Dan, your sarcasm is awful. Yeah, that's true. But listen, like, if I didn't have Jesus, I would be thinking about what's down and what's wrong and what's negative 100% of the time. I wouldn't have a grateful attitude. If you want to be a grateful person, I think it starts with allowing... <clears throat> Uh, you to dwell on what is good and what is true and what is honorable and what is just. Which probably means that there's a lot of stuff that we are allowing into our minds through what we read, what we watch, what we listen to, and what we play. And I think that if you want to be a grateful person, you must understand that those kind of things darken your conscience. It alters your mood and personality, and it, it deepens my dent, uh, dense, a huge sense of despair. And that, friends, is not how we have an attitude of thankfulness. I've never been to the gym yet and heard someone blast Beethoven. Just doesn't happen. Why not? Because they're trying to psych themselves up, so they play something that psychs them up. Okay. I've never been to a wedding where they play the theme from Star Wars as the bride walks down the aisle. That's, that's bad news. So what we listen to does change our mood, does affect our attitude. So that's the T. This T stands for think on right things. The U stands for use right words. Let me read to you from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as it is good for building others up, as it fits the occasion, that it might give grace to those who hear. Friends, words shape your attitude. What are you doing with your words? What kind of words have you been saying this week? Do you speak words that build people up? What does that do with, have to do with thankfulness? Everything. Because, listen, I don't think you can build people up and not be grateful for them at the same time. Listen, friends, if we would just change our attitude in this one area, I think it would really change how people see you, how your kids see you, how your bosses see you, how your husband sees you. I really believe that, our, that words will have an effect on how we uh, shape our attitude. The word of God says this, do not repay evil for evil 
or but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may attain a blessing. Notice in Ephesians 4.29 that it does not make mention of swearing. Don't get me wrong, the Bible does tell us not to use profanity, but notice that it's not mentioned in this verse. You want to know why? Because you don't need to swear at all to take someone down, do you? All you got to do is point out the bad. All you have to do is point out how they fail you, how they didn't get anything right, and you have effectively torn them down. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, only what builds people up. Well, how do you tell what builds people up? Well, I think you do it as what the text says, as it fits the occasion. Okay? In this area alone, if you went, and prayed in the morning as you got up for Thanksgiving. Lord, help me speak things today all day long that help build people up. I think your attitude would change. And I'm not talking about flattering people. Flattering, by the way, is a sin. Just, just so you know, it's saying something nice about someone that's a lie. So in other words, Dan, you have the biceps of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right? <laughs> Very flattering. Very nice, but not actually true, okay? And so here's what I would say is the words that we speak do shape our attitude. You know who I think is a great example of this is Ken Stewart. Let me tell you something there about Ken Stewart. There is rarely a time where I've walked away from Ken and not felt built up by him by something he said even when he's rebuking me. Okay. I just feel very built up by him. You want to know what helps you be thankful in everything? <clears throat> Building people up as it fits the occasion. So that's the U. Let me talk about the D. The D stands for do the right thing. Serves others. And John, it says this. Uh, John chapter 13, verse 16 and 17. This is... Uh, story right as Jesus is about to the night before Jesus goes to the cross and he's washing the disciples feet and after he washes the disciples feet he says this truly truly I say to you a servant is not greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him if you know these things you are what blessed if you do them you know what friends if you struggle with a downer attitude, if you struggle with a woe is me attitude, then I'm going to tell you that one of the best ways that you can elevate your attitude to be grateful is to serve other people. Most people are actually struggling on some level with a bad attitude, a woe is me attitude. Like, if only this person over here, they had so much, they have a better husband or a better wife or they have a better job or they have a better harvest, right? And so what winds up happening is that you and I, you know, we look at that and we become coveted into this and we're not grateful towards the things that God has given us. Listen, friends, you... It might be true that they might have the better house or the better family or the better equipment or the better life. But let me also tell you something is like you can't have that, at least not right at this second. 
And if all you do is just stew about what you don't have, it's not blessing anyone. And so what I would say is that if you struggle with that, man, this fly, get out of here. Uh, I was wondering what was going in front of the projector today. Let me tell you, if you, if you genuinely find a way to find someone and bless them and serve them, it will change your attitude. And that's way better than sitting on the couch and scrolling for their phone and being covetous of what everyone else has had. But it's got to come from a place where you are serving or seeking to bless them. If you change the way you think, if you change the words that you use, and you, and you look to bless others, I guarantee you, you will develop an attitude of thankfulness in every circumstance. Lastly, as we close, the E stands for encourage. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 says this, But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Another way to put it would be, uh, the King James Version puts it this way, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Let me give you a secret, friends. The person who encourages the most wins. Encouragement has everything to do with attitude, doesn't it? And, uh, and if you caught it in the verse, I want you to look at the verse very carefully. Encouragement is actually a counter to sin, is it not? Look at the text. And when you and I encourage people, it actually helps them not to be hardened by sin. When was the last time you encouraged somebody? When was the last time you can spoke encouragement over someone? Can you remember? Because the text says, how often are you supposed to do it? Daily. Is that true in your life? It's a big deal. A lot of the times when we look at the Bible and what we're not supposed to do or supposed to do, we kind of look at the big sins. So not lying, not committing adultery, not adultery, all that. But when we look at something that encouragement, we're like, oh, yeah, that's not a big deal. Listen, friends, encouragement is a big deal because it helps us not be hardened from sin. And you are to do it as regularly as you are to read the Bible daily. Proverbs 8.21 says, By our tongues we bring life or we bring death. And what I need you to understand is what we say will actually bring life to people and it will either help them flourish or it will destroy them and smush them like that fly. How many of you were raised with the motto, if you can't say anything nice to say, don't say it at all? I was, right? Hands up and all. Well, I think we need a new one because the truth of the matter is, is what happens is, is when we can't find anything nice to say, we don't say anything. And I think we need to change that to say, if you can't find anything nice to say, find something nice to say. That's a nice shirt, Liz. Mike, you're a great worshiper. Find something. 
those shoes don't look scuffed. I don't care how superficial it's got to be. You've got to find something. Dads, can I talk to you for a second? I know that the Bible says this, that we are to be the leaders and head in the home. And I just want to say, if you're ever struggling to know what that looks like, what it means to be the leader or head in your marriage or the, the leader or the head of your, of your kids, can I just say that encouragement is one of the best ways that you can lead your kids, okay? To say something about them, to encourage them. Why? Because encouragement is a detractor from sin. That you would just encourage them in some way. I'll tell you how we do it. You don't have to do it the way that we do it. It's just an example. Is, is every day, here, here's how the routine works in our home. Every day I get up, I walk the dog, I come back, I give... Lives a kiss goodbye. She goes to work. I pack James up in the car. I literally, like, throw him in the car. <laughs> I drive over to PCA. I drive over all those potholes, which actually produce not an attitude of gratitude in my heart. And I, and I put him, like, and, I, and I, I help him out of the car, and then I just do a quick 30-second prayer with him. God, thanks for James. I pray that he have a great day at school. See you later. That encourages him. Encourage your family. And I want to say, friends, that if you're not encouraging, there's some sort of disconnect. Let me give you three um, ways that you can encourage people, and then I'll let you go. It says this. Number one, you can, you can appreciate them. Find something that you appreciate about the people in your life, your family, your friends. Value them. Number two, thank them. When was the last time you thanked them for something? Seriously. And I'm not just saying, when was the last time you said thank you as sort of like a passing comment, but when was the last time you said, hey, I'm just so thankful for you. You're a blessing. Thanks for doing the dishes, right? I'm not sure how many of you, it might be, you know, in our family, you kind of stayed out of the kitchen when mom was there, right? But what if you just thank mom for the food today? Hey, thank you so much for doing it. And lastly, what if you just tell them what you, eva- what you value about them? Okay. What do you value about them? I make a point uh, to try and get together with the board members semi-weekly <laughs> as much as I can. And in that meeting, I have one job. And my job is this, is to encourage them. It's to say thank you for what you're doing. And how can I help? I'm so appreciative of what you're doing in your area. Is there any way I could come along beside you? And most of the time they say, Dan, stay out of my way because you're going to make things worse. (laughs) But friends, if we encourage, I think that will change your attitude. You cannot encourage people and not be thankful for them. So that's my, my word to you today is that in order to be thankful and celebrate Thanksgiving well, I think we need to celebrate in every circumstance. Even if it's a shipwreck or scurvy or the harvest doesn't come in or the relationships aren't doing well. And I think in order to do that, we have to foster that attitude. So today, when you go home and you have Thanksgiving, I'd just like you to go around the table and pick one. I'm going to change the way that I think. I'm going to change the way that I speak. I'm going to find a way to serve. 
I'm going to learn how to encourage people daily. If you just pick one, I guarantee you that over time you will foster an attitude of thankfulness. Is that okay, guys? All right. Mike, will you lead us in one more song?